Hello everyone, I am your host Ahad Hassan and welcome to season 4 of Titan Alumni Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to alumni about their experiences at Cal State Fullerton. For this week's episode, we have David Kester, who currently works as a software development engineer in test at Amazon. He graduated in 2012 with a BA in international business with a focus on Japanese culture. Listen as we talk about all things tech and why he chose his specific major. You can catch these episodes live at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays at titanradio.org, or you can watch all past episodes on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash alumni. So thank you, David, so much for joining us today on the podcast. Happy to join you. All right. So one of the first questions I wanted to ask was, what do you currently do at your job? So my current role um, is a software development engineer in test. Uh, Without getting too much into the detail, code is really difficult to write. um, And it's easy to get it to mostly work. It's very difficult to get it to really work all the way. Um, And to do that, to make sure it really works, we have to run a lot of tests. I try to make that as easy as possible so that code is as robust as it can be so that it fails less often. Yeah, especially nowadays, like people are seeing software in industries that they haven't even like thought about. Um, one person I interviewed uh, previously, she mentioned that even in clothing, that people need to design software in order to get these things just to run or be more functional because there's only so much a human can do and that just limited to a small scale and then that will also increase costs as you grow as a company, but if you have software, the costs are the same, plus it's easily scalable. So everywhere you look, you kind of are just like staring at software, anything that you consume. Yeah. It's really incredible. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's really exciting to see the the future potential uh, when we look at modern tools to enable uh, these other amazing things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up getting into uh, software in general? Because you graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts in International Business uh, from yeah. CSUF. So um, first of all, like, what does that mean to like graduate in International Business versus just most people just get like maybe an MBA or just graduate with a BS yeah. in business? Yeah. Um, so it's a really, it's a really uh, unique, I think, uh, major because I, I, I've only run into a few other schools that uh, have specifically an International Business as the title of the major. The, the major that I selected, they, they had uh, basically a combination between like the humanities and uh, business classes. So I spent about half of my time learning and studying languages and culture. Um, so I specialized in Japan as my, as my uh, specialization. Uh, when I was in Cal State Fullerton, they had uh, you choose international business at the major, and then you choose a country of specialization. And I chose Japan. Uh, so I spent a lot of my time studying Japanese culture and Japanese language. Uh, and then a lot of other like statistics, um, processes, business writing, uh, those kinds of typical uh, uh, business administration classes. So I didn't even know like international business was like something you could major in at Cal State Fullerton. So when did that kind of switch over into you becoming like a programmer? Was this always uh, something you wanted? It seems like when you started off at Amazon, you were more focused on the business side of things, but then somewhere along the lines, you just started uh, writing code for Amazon. It was kind of a, a slower transition. I think it was primarily this convincing myself that I was capable of doing it. I really wasn't, all through school, I wasn't really 
interested in doing math. And, and I wasn't interested in doing, uh, you know, anything with computers, I think mainly because uh, I wasn't really convinced that I could do it. Once I got out of school, that's when I began to explore and, and find out these new subjects. Uh, I began to learn, right? I began to know about things I didn't know I didn't know about, if that makes sense. I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And then I started seeing these things and I started realizing the, the incredible power that's in software uh, and robotics. I see. So the thing is you didn't kind of major with computer science. And I know there is the notion that you can do a lot of uh, computer science work on your own. So how did you go about, like, what was like the first step of you saying, hey, look, I'm trying to do computer science. Did you go on a certain website? Did you read like different types of books? Did Amazon maybe give you some stuff to help you out with it? Or how exactly did you get into like starting programming and getting to where you are today? Yeah, so I had the unique resource uh, of being surrounded by some world-class computer science folks. Like, uh, so I was able to ask uh, some of them a few questions. Um, and they would point me towards a book um, and I would start reading, uh, reading books. Uh, I did a lot of research on my own and, and I found several really good websites. Um, and I think part of it was, wasn't necessarily like my own passion, but also the timing of it. Uh, because about the time that I started really diving into this uh, on my own uh, around 2013, 2014, was when I really began to, to study the, these subjects on my own. So what are like some things that you did on campus? Uh, were you like active in like any clubs or other things that you did over there? Um, Cal State Fullerton for me was, was really focused on, on studying. Uh, I didn't have a lot of opportunities for uh, clubs. I, I was part of the uh, veterans club. Um, Veteran students in general tend to be a lot more focused and like kind of mission focused of like, I need to take my classes, do well in my classes. Um, I didn't get to have a lot of uh, social interactions while I was there. I had a little bit within my business class, um, uh, but not a whole lot. The, the best like social kind of thing that I did, and it wasn't necessarily on campus, but I, I was part of the best exchange program, um, which took uh, a number of Cal State Fullerton uh, students and paired us with a number of uh, foreign students. Uh, in this case, in, when I got to go was uh, uh, some German students and they took these two groups and put us in uh, France uh, for, for a little while. And we studied uh, American students, German students uh, in, a, in a French university. Uh, that was an, an excellent experience. Um, I'm really happy I got to do that. You studied abroad. Uh, what year were you when you studied abroad? Uh, that was in 2012. Oh, okay. So like right before you graduated. Right. Yep. I see. All right. So we're back with David and we're about to ask him some quick fire questions and we want his opinion on some of these controversial topics, uh, starting with coffee versus tea. Uh, both. Both. You prefer both of them. What's your favorite? I don't drink either. What's your favorite tea? I know there are different flavors of tea. Um, yeah, I generally try to stick to um, low caffeine, but I'd have to say green tea is definitely my favorite. Oh, okay. That's a pretty popular green tea. I've heard that quite it's a bit. Good. If you, if you make it right, 
And this is actually going back to my uh, comment about the Japanese cultural classes being excellent. Uh, I had a whole section on how to make green tea, and I use it. <laughs> often. I guess that's like something that you like almost a decade later, still making that green tea that you learned. Yeah. So are you an early bird or are you a night owl? <laughs> both. You're both. Do you just not get yeah. any sleep then? Yeah, that's about it. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I wake up and I get going because I'm actually I'm most productive in the mornings. Uh, and then I still have things I need to get done. Um, so I go to sleep when, when uh, things are done. Mm -hmm. Did like the military experience kind of give you that early bird? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's from military experience. Um, doing what I have to do when I need to do it. Mm -hmm. I see. So math or language arts? Uh, again, I got to go with both. You go with both. They're both extremely important. Uh, I have, I study math on a regular basis. Um, obviously, when I was there in Cal State Fullerton, I, I studied uh, language, um, and I continue to study both. I don't think it's one or one or the other. Uh, you need, you really do need both. Uh, we're in an advanced world right now, which is run on metrics and and data, uh, and we're a global society. You need to be able to communicate with other people and other cultures. Mm -hmm. Let's see, that makes sense. It kind of seems like throughout this, like the whole motif is that a lot of the things you learn in school are going to be used later on in life, whether you like it or not. Math, language arts, business, software, that's, that's how life okay. is. Uh, I don't think I've ever left school. That's a good way to put it. Always learning, whether school's at home or it's at the university or at a high school, always learning something. All right, let's let's get into like online shopping or shopping in a store. Do you do uh, like more Amazon shopping than like what like the average person would do, do you think? Or is it like about the same? Uh, the average person does a lot of shopping on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, I, I prefer to do Amazon shopping most of the time. Uh, there's just a wider selection and the price is usually cheaper. Uh, so unless it's something that I'm specifically going for a like a, a specific experience, um, like the Apple store, right? I, um, or to get a suit tailored or something like that. Like those, I, I would prefer to go in to have that personal interaction, right? That in-person uh, movement. But for most everything else, it, online is the best way to go. More selection, cheaper prices. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And then you kind of just don't have to, especially like during a pandemic, you don't have to leave your house. Uh, you can have someone else leave their house to come to yours. Um, but yeah, I would say like the only thing that keeps me away is like you mentioned, like maybe big ticket items that you kind of want to go inside for the experience or you want to talk to someone in the store to make sure it's the right purchase or even like clothing. Like you sort of mentioned that, you know, you want to make sure like it, fit right, it fits right. You get the right color, you get the right size. Uh, but everything else, like online shopping is just so simple, especially since now, I think like Walmart released it maybe a year or two ago, the two-day shipping, and they followed Amazon, and now everyone else is following yeah. suit. That... I, would, I would even argue that they're not even following Amazon so much uh, as the this is the only scalable way for us to, to move forward. Uh, if you look at these trend lines, uh, one, the, the urbanization is like, that's been going on for all of human time, right? Like people moving out of the countryside and into the cities. Uh, and that's 
for very good reasons. Uh, and that trend has, it's not really gonna change. So we're gonna have more and more people coming into the cities. Um, and when you have these trends, you, you need to change your, your business models to match those trends. Uh, and then the other thing is that we've just got way more people on planet earth, just way more people. If you look at the population back a few hundred years ago, like we've blown way past what our population was like. Uh, I don't know all the numbers, but uh, population on planet earth is, is growing exponentially. Um, and for all of those people to drive their own cars to the market to get their own stuff, it's just not a scalable solution. Uh, and so it just makes sense that the, the supermarket distributes out. Uh, that way you only have like the limited number of cars on the streets uh, burning that fuel or consuming that energy. Uh, it's just way more efficient, which is gonna make it way cheaper to uh, distribute these goods, which is going to make it cheaper for, for people. And not to mention, you know, what you brought up, which is, which is the uh, disease problem. If you have all of these people, we have more people and, and they're living denser and denser uh, square foot per person, uh, the transmission of disease is going to be way higher. And so you want to limit that um, general community pools, right, to limit the the uh, disease, defend against the disease. Uh, so uh, Walmart, while they, their reasons may be because they're following Amazon, um, this is something that's just going to continue uh, because it's the kind of the forces of nature on us. Mm -hmm. And then like the two-day shipping is kind of, what's like a subscription, like a yearly subscription, especially since Amazon, like you mentioned before, was a retail, like uh, retail industry, but it is also branching out to other things. You get Amazon Music, you get Amazon Prime, um, you get like some books, some other products from Amazon. Uh, it kind of is like a no-brainer to get like a small subscription fee in order to get like a guaranteed two-day shipping. Um, they're kind of becoming like a monopoly or like an empire over there, which would be interesting to see how it like turns out. Because um, there are also like a ton of other monopolies that are going on, like especially with Disney as well. Um, their own streaming services, owning Marvel and a countless other number of like other companies as well as subsidiary companies. So it's kind of interesting to see what will happen in the next couple of years, maybe the next decade with these very large corporations sort of taking over a lot of the smaller ones or just buying them out. Yeah, and that's a really complex subject. Um, but there, you also see a lot of smaller companies benefiting uh, from the infrastructure that these larger companies are, are building. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, it, it is gonna be really interesting so I, I had a couple more questions about uh, your time at Cal State Fullerton. Um, would you say there was like a specific experience at Cal State Fullerton that kind of got you or led you to where you are today? So I'd have to say some of the best interactions I had at Cal State Fullerton were uh, with my professors, uh, particularly uh, during office hours. Like if you don't go to office hours, like you're, you're missing a, a major part of your experience at university. Um, so office hours were great. That's where you could ask professors uh, about other things other than just the lecture. And they've got a lot of experience 
uh, doing lots of interesting things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree that a lot of like the professors at Cal State Fullerton, uh, people think because, you know, it's a lot cheaper than other universities that do not have quality professors, but if you go to their office hours, talk to them, you'll see they are like just as knowledgeable as other professors at other universities and you're getting them for a lot cheaper. And that's a big thing that like I ask a lot of people what they sort of regret about or like what they regret not doing at Cal State Fullerton. And it would be not talking to the professors or getting more information out of them or just picking their brain, whether it was like someone in their field, um, because like they kind of know the most. They see all of the students grow up and then get jobs as well and see sort yeah. of how they get there. They're, working in the industry so they're like the yeah. best to go for advice and it's not like you have to like go and find that literally probably in the basement of like mccarthy hall and you'll find all the office hours for or the office um yeah the office hours for professors and stuff like that so yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's really like, great very, um, in fact that's probably w one of the things that really kind of tickled my my uh, technology uh curiosity uh i actually spoke with uh one of my professor's husbands about uh, you know, getting a job and you know, he, he just kind of like groomed my resume a few times, uh, interviewed, like did practice interviews. Um, and he, he asked me a question of like, like, what do you do outside of work? Like, or outside of studies and school? Like, uh, um, he, he asked me a question, which was like, like, as an example, like, do you build like maybe small little robots? in your in your time like some technical thing uh, that you can put on your resume and that 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 kind of question that he asked me in that one moment uh, kind of took me back a little bit because i i'd never had someone assume that i could do something as uh like technical and in-depth in as as that and he just kind of like made this assumption that i could do things like that and that's it kind of like stuck in my head a little bit um and made me go, oh yeah, you know what? I can do something like that. Uh, and so it was kind of like a social uh, interaction um, that came out of visiting for office hours. And that goes back to like seeing, seeing people in person, you kind of like foster those connections that it might be a, a bit difficult to do it online when maybe there are like a couple other students in the queue trying to talk to the professor and it's just like sort of difficult to do, but when you see them in person, those connections are there they can help you out uh, more in depth than they would ever or they ever could by doing it online yeah so i have a question what does success mean to you and how has like the definition of success sort of changed from your time at cal state fullerton to now that you kind of grew up um about like seven eight years later yeah um so i think i have a unique definition of success and it has come out of so my my experience um, and maybe a little bit of uh, not being successful in in some areas at some points in my life. Um, so my definition of success is that I have many different options available to me at, at any given time. Um, there's nothing worse than having no options. And you're stuck in one place and you don't have a choice. You're stuck there. Uh, and so to me, success is always having uh, lots of different options that you can choose from. Uh, because when you have lots of options, that means you have lots of opportunities. And uh, 
whatever it is that you want to do and what kind of opportunities you want to create for yourself um like though they they come up they present themselves uh, more often when you have more choices to choose from i see and then sort of like what are your goals and aspirations now that uh, some people might be saying like sort of from like a cs perspective oh you're working at amazon and you're not like maybe just like a uh, intro like developer over there so what are your goals now that you are sort of working at Amazon and you are kind of like a higher up position over there? So um, I, I've learned to take a very long view uh, about what I, I'm choosing to do with my time. And, you know, for me, I really hope uh, that in the next 10 years or so, uh, that I'm able to move uh, more into the robotics field. I just think robots are really cool. Um, that's just me. So I have a question. What's your favorite memory at Cal State Fullerton? Do you have like one specific thing that you could just like pick up off the top of your head? Um, uh, you know, just probably, as I mentioned, my time uh, in office hours are probably, probably the, the best memories I have uh, just because of the uh, personable connections uh, were great, as well as the, the knowledge share that you get, not just in the particular subject that you're studying at the time, but also a lot of uh, other things that you learn. Mm -hmm. And then do you have like any advice for some students trying to get, uh, let's first start out with like business, if they're trying to major in business or they're thinking about it, um, do you have any advice for the students who are in trying to get into that field? Uh, so the field of business is pretty much everything. Uh, and that's what makes it so difficult, I think, for most students. Um, I if, if I was going to go back and I was looking at graduating um, with business, um, I would want to make sure that I was also getting some sort of technical, specific technical skill, uh, because it's the same thing that I mentioned before. You think about your customers, right? Um, when you are a student and you're looking to enter into the, the industry, uh, the companies are your customers. And what you're, what you're always trying to do is solve your customer's problem. Uh, in this case, a company needs to fill a role to do a specific job. Right? Like they're, they're not interested in, in just kind of hiring a person just because it's a person. They want to hire someone because they have a business problem that has a specific solution and they just, they don't have enough people to, to take care of it right now. So they need to hire a new person who can solve that problem for them. Um, and that's oftentimes, uh, you know, a, a techni technically related uh, thing that needs to happen because it's a very specific business problem. I see. So it's kind of just like finding where you would fit in and what problem you would solve for the people, finding your target audience and sort of yeah. getting the product to yeah. them or getting maybe it could even be like software or anything that just sort of makes your life easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and business nowadays, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of data. Everything's about data. Um, so if you 
can maybe have some technical skill that will help them help solve your customer's data problem, um, that will make you uh, a lot more attractive. Uh, but overall, it's it's about your customer. If you think about your customer and you know your customer, uh, whatever that thing is that uh, that niche that needs to be filled, you you'll you'll know what that is, and you can um, find a solution that you can. Uh, find a solution for you to gain the skills to solve their problem. And then now talking about like someone, let's say they kind of took your path where they didn't directly major in computer science, but now they're thinking of getting into that field of developing, of programming. Um, what do you think like good advice would be for them? Um, so it's, it's very similar, right? Um, if you are trying to get a job as a software developer, uh, you know, that's a very sp specific uh, problem that a company has. Right? They need a software developer. The business just has a capacity problem. They need more developers, right? Um, so if you want to become a developer, you need to have that technical skill set in order to fill that need for that company. Um, there's a lot of rhetoric and, and marketing out there on how to become a software developer um, if you start searching for how to become a software developer you'll just see a ton of ads about boot camps and whatever else um, and, and while they're those things have value it's about it's about filling the the need that that company has um, so there, there's lots of different languages out there uh lots of marketing about specific skills um but what i would do if i was starting from base zero right um i do some market research look into uh, what is needed look at job postings and see what the job postings are asking for um, and i get a general consensus you know not look at one specific uh, job posting because that might be extremely specific, um, but look at like a, a, a whole bunch of different job postings and kind of figure out what it was that, uh, you know, companies have a need for, and then I can begin doing my search. Um, that's one general path that uh, might work for some and, and not work for others, but uh, it's, Doing your research and then building a plan is the summary of that. I see. So just kind of finding out where you fit, what type of problems you solve, similar to like business and I guess like most other fields where if you're like say majoring in psychology and you're finding a place that needs people who are apt in like this certain field of psychology, you can solve their problem by like filling their need and maybe talking to their customers or uh, whatever it is that people in psychology do after they graduate, but it's just finding out where you fit in and what you do with it. Yeah, solve your customer's problem. All right, yes, yeah, so I think that would do it for the episode. Um, so thank you so much, David, for joining us. And I'm gonna give my spiel on uh, Titan Pro Network. So for all you out there, uh, Titan Pro Network is of our very own LinkedIn site. 
It's basically a way to connect alumni and students along with staff together. We currently have over a thousand alumni signed up on the program. It's very easy to use. You can filter uh, people by their grad year, their industry or their major. So it's very simple to uh, find someone who is or went through something similar that you did and to get advice from them. Uh, they can even read your resume or give you advice in the um, like job field after you graduate. So head on over to Tank Pro Network and David, I know you're not currently on it, but hopefully you will join it. So if anyone listens to this episode and wants to uh, talk with David about it or ask him for any advice, Tank Pro Network is the way to go. So thank you, David, for joining us on the episode today. Yeah, thank you for having me.